Please note, this podcast may ruin your friendships. You've been warned. And welcome to Ultra Flux, the weekly podcast about two guys trying to ruin their friendship through the power of film. My name is Kyle Neiman, and I am joined by my co-host and current best friend. It's me, Andrew Kimmel. You sounded so, sounded so excited. I am extremely excited. Excited about your name. It's me, Andrew Kimmel. Um, if you've never listened to the podcast, uh, that's because this is the first one. Um, and so here's what we do. Um, we have chosen, uh, each chosen a, a selection of movies to watch. and um, From Netflix. From Netflix. And uh, six apiece, and we put them into a spinner, and we choose them at random. But this week... Um, we, we actually just chose the movies um, in, a, in a video segment. You can check that out on our uh, social media pages. Um, but this week, we are going to review a very special movie. Mm. Because here's the thing. We um, have been friends for a long time. Since, second grade? Since second grade. And Parkview Elementary. Yeah, God, those were the days. Good times. Miss yeah. Freeman. Oh, Miss Freeman. That was third grade. <laughs> God bless Martha that Basseau was my second grade teacher. Martha Basseau. Mm-hmm. Mine was Mrs. Bowles mm-hmm. or Ms. Bowles. Ms. Probably Ms. She hated me. She was fine. She she uh, she she told my parents like every day like you know this kid has ADHD right like so that that was awesome. She sounds like a terrible human. No, she she was she just didn't know how to put up with me. So, anyways, we've been we've been friends since second grade, and one thing that I know about my friend Andrew is that he has a horrible taste in movies. I disagree completely, but I respect your opinion. <laughs> what I, what I mean is, I have I have a high standard for movies. Um, I um, my history is is. Not that this makes me a movie expert or anything like that. I worked at Blockbuster and became a movie snob after working at Blockbuster, watching um, movie after movie after movie and, and really digging into film. Uh, just fell in love with, with the medium. And I really think uh, movies that have zero substance and plot are a waste of time. And sadly, I think those are some of my favorite movies. I When it comes to movie reviewing... And you will learn this um, through our journey. I am just a simple journey. It it does not take much to entertain me. I love most things that explode. Um, (laughs) Karate fighting is one of my... Um, favorite things about the movies, but we'll get into to much of that as we as we journey through this together. So the big question is why this title Ultra Flux? Like why um, not uh, movie review dudes? Probably because that's like super generic I mean, and lame. Um, <laughs> but, so there, there's definitely a backstory behind this, and I'll start, and we can kind of go back and forth here. But um, I watched a movie. It was called Ultraviolet. And I just thought it was amazing. I thought it was so amazing that as soon as I saw my dear friend, the next time I said, Kyle, there's a movie. You have to watch it. He says, what's it called? And I say, it's called Ultraviolet. Now, I, I'm, I'm naive at this point. Um, I, I figured, uh, honestly, my friend is is not going to lead me astray. Uh, and so basically, I was sick one day. Um, and uh, in my sickness, um, I was uh, laid up in bed and, and on HBO, here comes uh, Ultraviolet. And I was like, well, Kimmel recommended this movie. I, I have to watch this. And so it starts. And about five minutes in, I'm like, it's got to get better. It's got to get it's got to get better. And, and God bless it, it did not, uh, in my opinion. In my opinion. Yeah, okay. So um, I, I called him up and said, man, that might be the worst movie I've ever seen. And, and he, you were just flabbergasted. I was sure it was because you were sick and, and maybe had uh, had some sort of hallucination whilst watching it or accidentally watched the wrong movie. Uh, I was sure you were going to enjoy it. I mean, half as much as I did. And we fell completely on opposite ends of the spectrum as far as enjoying this movie called Ultraviolet. So in my revisionist history, like I feel like as a week later you recommended another movie. <laughs> I, I'm sure it wasn't. I'm sure it was sometime later. I don't know, know when it was, but you recommended another movie. So pause down. Th- this, this one point, we watched together. Yes. Yeah. At this point, Kyle has been shaken. His, his, <laughs> a, 
his view of, of my ability to review any movie, and I don't know if you thought I was joking, like right off the bat, like it was some terrible joke, but Kyle trusted me again. And however later it was, a week, whatever, I had already seen this movie called Aeon Flux. Aeon Flux. Aeon Flux, uh, a movie that is based on a cartoon that um, was kind of popular on MTV. MTV was trying to like break the mold and they did some some animation. Aeon Flux was this wild sci-fi um, animation, uh, very cutting edge, very, uh, very very edgy, kind of like MTV um, back before they were all reality shows, uh, trying some new things. And so I had some interest in Aeon Flux. I really did, just kind of based on that alone. And then comes your recommendation. Of <laughs> 90% interest, 10% Kimmel said it. I'll give him one last chance. And we watched this together. Um, not only do I think I was dozing off because it was so darn boring, um, but the plot... Okay, well, I'm not going to get into it. We'll Aeon that Flux later. was another awful movie. So I think you're catching on here. Ultraviolet, Aeon Flux... Um, and we, we merged those two together to be this representation of my friend's horrible taste in film. And, and that's... So Kyle and I have never truly reconciled this, the fact that I am true. so easily entertained by these movies and, and Kyle's intellectual mind taking one look at this filth, according to him, <laughs> just completely tears it apart. And I still, to this day enjoy it thoroughly like this pilot episode in and of itself last night i text kyle and i'm like hey man do, you know do i need to watch a movie this week how are we doing this and he was like yeah let's go ahead and and start where it all began let's let's review ultraviolet um and i could not have been more excited i asked my wife if she wanted to watch it she said absolutely not um and so i sat there and and i told kyle you know i'd, I'd been working all day i was tired and I sat down for this movie and, again, enjoyed it from start to finish. Um, and we even started this conversation today. Kyle had to stop himself because he's like, are you, are you serious? They're, tell me. Okay, I'll just, I'll just wait. We'll, we'll review it together again. So, again, here we are. Um, Ultra Flux. Again, buckle up. You're going to get to see two guys going at it from two different points of view. And, and I really think we're going to have a lot of fun. So, so that's what we're doing in this episode. We are, we are reviewing Ultraviolet. Um, I have a couple facts here about Ultraviolet. Um, uh, do you know what its Rotten Tomatoes score? Um, I have n complete notes on Rotten Tomatoes, but I feel like we should save the actual other people reviews towards the end because I'm going to completely destroy Rotten Tomatoes as an entity. But we'll, we'll, <laughs> as an entity, yes, we'll, we'll, we'll wait for that. Okay, but did, did what about the Metacritic score? Did you look up the Metacritic? Well, score? so when when I looked at Netflix, and again, you will find this through through this, again this journey that Kyle, Kyle and I are on. I don't do a whole lot of research on these things. I watch it, whatever I, I love it, I enjoy it, and I tell Kyle how I feel about it. So the only background I did on this movie was the Rotten Tomato score that was at the bottom on Netflix. So yes, I did see it. I completely, wholeheartedly disagree with it, but I believe it was a 9% or 6%. I can't remember. It, um, it was a 9%. And nine, there you go. Um, so let me, um, let me give you, this is the description as found. Uh, so... So we, we try to keep everything on Netflix. This is not on Netflix. Um, Ultraviolet is not. Um, how did how did you rent it? I, I, I rented it on on Vudu. Uh, did you find it online? Yeah, I, I rented it off of Apple. I gladly yeah. paid three ninety nine to watch. This yeah, movie. I paid two ninety nine, and I, I'm didn't. thankful I saved that one dollar. <laughs> it, it asked me, "Do you want HD or standard definition?" I'm like. HD won't help. Like and so, I said standard I definition. I was sprung for the HD. You probably would have bought this. Don't mm, I thought about it. So here's the description that's on IMDb of this movie: a beautiful hemophage infected with a virus that gives her superhuman powers has to protect a boy in a futuristic world who is thought to be carrying antigens that would destroy all hemophages. Mm, beautiful. So if you got all of that, congrats. You're one of the, the few. That, that, that describes the plot and thus so much that's wrong with this movie. <laughs> so we're going we're gonna to jump right in here. Um, so again, Ultraviolet, um, the stars of this movie, I mentioned it er, um, earlier, I, I think, uh, Milia Jokovic um, of uh, um, Resident Evil. Resident Evil and... Um, Fifth Element. Fifth Element. That's what I was trying to think of. Great Fifth, Fifth Element. Um, and then also um, a, another standout was... Um, 
the character Garth, played by William Fitchner. And uh, William Fitchner, great character actor, was in um, was in Contact, mm-hmm. uh, which which is a really um, uh, that's a movie to discuss too. Yeah, there, there's there's, thing, there's things there's things I like about Contact, and things I'm like, what the heck just happened? But this isn't about Contact. He's in Armageddon. He was in uh, Black Hawk Down and and uh, The Dark Knight. Um, and so uh, he he's probably him and Milo Jokovic are probably the two big names in, in this movie. Um, but so so here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna kind of go through um, the the plot in general. And uh, here I'm, I'm gonna be completely honest with you, Kimmy. <laughs> I sat down with this movie. I got my laptop out. I was ready to take notes. Dude, I made it two seconds before I had to pause it and lose my mind. To, uh, I'm not even kidding. You I mean, didn't, so did the, you get through the, the comic no, book piece? No, the title screen. I love that. Part. You've got to be kidding me. So can I ask you a big question? Yes. Um, have you read the Ultraviolet comic book? No, I have not. Do you know why? Don't need to. It doesn't exist. It does to me. It does, there, okay, there, it does there to were, me. There, there were comic book frames leading into this. So again, <laughs> that's all I needed to see was this movie already has legitimacy. Because whether or not it's re- a real comic, someone went to the trouble of putting those comics... Behind there, I saw again. The most ridiculous thing I've ever heard. Karate action. I saw guns shooting people. There was blood. It was a real gritty comic scene. I even. It's funny that you stop. I paused the movie and took positive notes on that part because I did not know that this was an actual comic book. See, it, but it's not. Like it never was a comic book, and this bothers me. And I'm okay because, with that because it, so Ultraviolet came out in 2006, and this was. Really, had, during the boom of comic book movies um, in in the early two thousands, you had Spider Man, the X Men series, um, and, and uh, you know stuff like Fantastic Four. V for Vendetta came out in two thousand six, and, and so the comic book movies were starting to flood the market. And actually, two thousand six was when it was starting to take a turn. You're, you're about to get Spider Man three, <laughs> just a whole bunch of bombs, um, and, and and so I think they were just trying to like. Say, ooh, we do comic books too, and it but totally, not, totally works. Out. It's not, it's not a comic book movie. Why, why make it look like it's going to be a comic book movie when there, you you can't go buy a comic? Now, I did find on some message board like one promotional comic came out uh, about this, and, and so again, this is a message board. I didn't do like super deep research on this, but I was so I had to pause and go. I didn't know this was a comic book, and so I, I get, get on Google. I, I search. It, it's not. It's not. It's just. So, anyways, so it's this whole comic book scene, and we we get to the opening sequence. Uh, can I pause you right there? Yeah, go, go for it. These are literally my notes from the comic book scene. Okay, look, totally gripping comic book intro. Jazzed. It is alluding to everything you want in a, in a movie. Sci-fi, karate, swords, guns, blood, fighting, etc. My little note. Oh, dude. <laughs> I, I wish so, again, kidding. here's... No, no, it's right here on, on the computer screen. So, I saw, no, I here's where I think that that you're, you're, you're going awry. Um, <laughs> I don't... And, and, again, this is purely from my perspective... I don't even need the comic book piece to be interconnected with the movie. It can be and, and is completely separate from said movie. And because it was awesome and I got jazzed about it, it totally adds to the experience for me. So, okay. <laughs> um, so anyways, whatever. <laughs> that, that's, uh, that's something. I, I really I couldn't get past that. So... so the movie starts out with a voiceover from Mila Jokovic, and I, I'm like, I wrote down, this is already off to a rough start, because her delivery of this line was so incredibly cheesy. She she says something to the effect of, my name is Violet, and I'm from a world you've never known. And I'm like, the, the delivery of that, like, Mila Jokovic is not an A-list celebrity. She's she's not going to show up in like the biggest movies, but I'm like you're better than this. Like I know I know you're better than Sometimes this. Sometimes you just have to embrace the cheese, Kyle. Yeah, she did. Um so the the film starts out um there's some secret agents uh possibly you don't really know who they are yet breaking into a building d- disguised as as bowling balls. That's how they made their entrance. I thought it was very clever. They they 
bust in like wrecking balls through a building. And if this isn't making sense to you, don't don't be alarmed. It's okay. Um, and, and somehow they morph out of these bowling balls and they start um, attacking this lab that's there. There's some sort of vault opening up um, and, and they attack all these guys in the lab. Looks like some kind of secret chemical compound. Yeah, exactly. And, and so then you, you get this very stylized fight scene where they all um, slice these guys with swords. Um, and very violent. However, there's no blood. Very cartoony. Just they drop to the ground all in one, um, one fall. And at that point, I'm like, huh? Like this is okay. This is kind of a, a cool style on um, on action scenes. Beautifully if, choreographed. If that was going to be like one of two times they did that in the movie instead of like ninety, um, where. It, Anyway, we'll get to how many there's times a, they, they yeah, do that in the movie. Of, yeah. um, so, so anyways, these guys just all drop to the, the ground in kind of a anime uh, samurai yeah. kind of um, way. The secret agent looking guys bust in and they realize it's a trap. Um, there's a whole bunch of people that, that uh, have guns. And they ma- massacre them. And uh, you realize that these um, men who are busting in, they were trying to steal blood so that they could survive. And they are called hemophages um, based on this infection they have. I didn't write down the name of the infection, but um, the, the hemophage infection and they need um, blood transfusions to, to survive. Um, and then it goes into another voiceover with Mila Jokovic and she uh, discusses uh, she, she discusses how the world came to be like this, um, how they found this infection, they tried to weaponize it, and it didn't work, and it basically came this allusion to the Holocaust, where people who were infected with this disease were put, they were given armbands, they were put into camps. Segregation and discrimination like the Jews. Yeah, that, that's exactly what um, was going on. And, and at this point, you know, it, it, it's really shocking and emotional to see how that's playing out and I give the movie credit for that like it was a, it was a great illusion there instead of going with something like religion or race it was the idea of what if this was based on a, a disease a disease that people could live with but but changes their, their character it made them distinctly different yeah so so I thought that was it was interesting uh, so basically they explained that there's this war between the humans and the hemophages um, the blood wars began the, well. the blood wars began <laughs> <laughs> One thing I was thinking, though, at this point is already there's so much weight to this backstory. You're having to catch up on this world that's that's existing, and it's like, how are we going to invest in these characters? And they, they really don't give you much time to do that because after this, um, this intro, which is about five-minute intro of trying to do this world-building, um, completely different world from our own, it goes straight into the courier scene. And the courier scene is Violet arrives. Um, that's Mila Jokovic's character, Violet. She arrives, uh, purple electric hair, um, and uh, she's inspected. Um, and the inspection scene was was kind of kind of neat um, until they got to, there's a scene where they strapped her down in a chair. The spider chair. And the spider chair. The spider chair. You've got to be kidding me. Bro. Dude, that was some of the worst CGI. Never no. mind, no. At that point in my life, that was the worst CGI had seen. Okay. And then there was more that came I later. Will, I will grant you, we're talking about pros and cons, and, and I noted that Kyle had pros on his list. Um, and, and I was like, that's awesome. All I have are pros. I don't have cons. I will grant you that the CGI in this movie is less than perfect. Now, okay. that being said, the spider chair scene I thought was super legit. And maybe, maybe it's because... Um, I'm not analyzing every single piece that's happening. I'm taking this beautiful picture, and and if you haven't seen it, she's sitting in this chair, and it looks like a normal chair. It's got this weird kind of metal spine thing going, and then all of a sudden, out of this chair springs like eight different scary, skinny, sharp-looking legs, and they're all attaching to different parts of her body. And yeah, they're, they're injecting there. stuff into her eyes. Yeah. They're they're um, they're running opening her mouth open to they're make trying- sure that she is not, in fact, a hemophage. So yeah. you're stressed. You're thinking, oh my gosh, is she going to pass this test? There are so many layers to this test. But Surely she can't bypass. At the same this point, test. you don't really know that that 
this is her totally yet because they hadn't really introduced her character. They kind of did in voiceover work and you see this blurry picture of her. But for a split second, you're like, I assume this is her. And because I know Mila Jokovic's voice, I know it's her, but her character hasn't been introduced yet. So mysterious. Oh my good heavens. (laughs) So really bad CGI. I mean, it's subpar. So she gets through this whole inspection. Um, She's going to pick up um, this weapon um, that's going to be used against the the hemophages, as we find out in um, one of the opening scenes. Um, And it's this sci-fi looking backpack. She's told that she has nine hours to deliver it. Or it's it going looks to... like the bottom half of a violin. Yeah, it, I mean, it, it, I, I thought, I thought the props in this movie were really neat. I would wear it as a backpack. Um, so it has like this cool digital clock going on. It is a really cool look. Futuristic um, numbers, which was odd. Everything is hyper stylized. Like the the practical effects, when used, when they're not, <laughs> when it's not CGI, when it's practical effects, the the. It looks very vibrant and and looks like nothing you've ever seen. I love that. Then uh, at this point, the actual courier arrives. We we discover that it is in fact Violet. She is disguising herself, and she's found out because this other courier arrives. Um, and so ensues the the first large fight scene of many large fight scenes. Many. In this, um, she starts. Um, there, there's so much, um, so, so much choreography in this, um, and this is what um, really introduces us. It's mentioned briefly at the beginning, but the dimensional compression system. I wrote this down under so, awesome words. I did right here. Awesome, awesome words. words. <laughs> at the top of the list, hemophages. We've already covered that. I'll be patient. Um, one thing I want to say really quickly, Kyle, um, just talking about things like the dimensional suppression technology, they kept your mind racing with so many different technologies. It was a barrage of what if this actually existed? And again, I think sitting in your shoes, I would have been saddened because I guarantee you every time you saw this thing, you're like, not even possible. No, that's not what I was thinking. I think it's a really cool science fiction device. I really do. I think it's a really, um, I I think it would be a cool way to explain how video games work, how how somebody keeps so many weapons on them. Basically, the digital compression system is these these portals on her wrist that um, go to another dimension. Yes, this is probably very confusing go to another dimension to retrieve stuff that she's stored there infinitely like bullets bullets guns swords swords more bullets more guns and more swords like so so many weapons um and so she busts out some guns she she kills some guys busts out swords kills some guys sword Um, and Lots of very highly stylized, highly choreographed fight scenes at the beginning. Then it's this chase out of the building, and all of a sudden, all the style goes away, and she's just shooting aimlessly. Like you can't even tell what she's shooting at. Like she's just like waving her fake guns around, and people are just falling over. And so, one thing the director of this movie also directed um, Equilibrium. Now we've both seen Equilibrium. Mm-hmm. Um, there are some great things about Equilibrium. Thoroughly enjoyed it. And this is, this is a movie that took gunfights and made them art. Like, that's what Equilibrium did. Um, like, like, a movie like... Um, um, oh, what's the movie with Angelina Jolie? Um, Wanted. Wanted, thank you. A movie like Wanted, um, which hyper-stylizes gunfights... It really owes that to Equilibrium. Mm. So the same guy who did that with Equilibrium, I think three years before this movie, four years before this mm. movie, got so sloppy with these gunfights. Like, you just spent a ton of time. Like, your plot is already falling apart, and, and, and yet you're just like, uh, just, just have her swing her arms around. Like, <laughs> people falling dead. Like, I'm trying to find something in this movie to latch on to. Like, this is good. Um, and, and I'll get to what I think it the only thing is um, later, <laughs> but um, but but really, it, it was it was sloppy work. And as the chase goes on, as the 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 chase spills out um, over into the streets, it, the whole movie just lost me at this point because the CGI effects in this chase scene were horrendous. I will grant you the 
the thing that came to my head when I was watching the motorcycle drive on the side of the building with truly, and I will admit this, terrible CGI effects, uh, the words that came out of my mouth even though I was sitting there alone on the couch were, that's a bit much. <laughs> The, the the effects looked like a um, a cut in scene or a cut scene from a PlayStation One video game. Like like it just was not good, um, not well rendered. It's not fluid. Textures were that really shiny, cheesy thing. Everything was saw. really sharp. It was bad. Now, granted, two thousand six movie, but there was some amazing CGI going on in the early two thousands. Lord of the Rings. Um, Spider-Man, X-Men. There were some good things going on. They just had too much of it. Um, there, there just wasn't enough practical effects to, to make it um, worth it. Um, so the chase scene got really choppy. It, it and, was bad. Um, I, to my understanding, I, I looked this up, um, There, there's a chunk of the chase scene that was actually taken out um, of the digital copy. Um, so I'd watch it. Uh, yeah, I'm sure you would. Um, so the DVD version is different from the digital version, apparently. There's okay. a whole chunk that's out that explains how she got away. But in the digital version, she just all of a sudden is free. Like, it doesn't make any sense. So here we get to where I just lose my absolute mind. <laughs> and we've discussed this about this movie. Oh, this is my favorite part. You've got to be kidding me. No, okay. I, mean, I really... So she is in an elevator... And she's been told, don't open the backpack. Don't so open the backpack. rewind to the bottom half of the violin-shaped package that she took from these people that has the <laughs> this ultimate weapon that's going to destroy the hemophages. That's what that's what she believes and has been told. Um, and and part of this process, she's been told from the bad guys and the good guys, don't open this package. Do not open this weapon. Above all else, destroy it if you have to, but don't look inside of it. So you told not to look at, at inside the backpack, but she just risked her life, Kimmel. She just risked her life. She deserves to look what was inside. What she risked her life for? Uh, she opens the backpack, and, and can you go ahead, Kimmel. In this half of a violin case, when she opens it, she finds a child floating on celestial waters <laughs> inside this white half violin. Now, obviously, the bottom half of a violin is not big enough. To hold an entire child, it's rewind. Again, it's again the digital compression system. Dimensional suppression technology, yeah, absolutely. Or di- dimensional, yeah. Um, and so there's a child inside his backpack. And we see the top half of his body stops at his belly button for obvious reasons. He's shirtless. Um, but this is the, the part of the movie that leaves you thinking, what the H? This is so unexpected. And in doing so, draws you closer into the movie. <laughs> okay. So you say. Um, this, again, this is from my point of view. I, 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 yes, it is. <laughs> I, I lost my mind. One, because I was like, okay, we're getting a little overboard with this um, this plot device, the, the dimensional compression suppression system. I'm like, okay, so we're just going to shove whole people into backpacks? Like, it's just weird. I mean, um, But the other side of it... Um, is it, it was some of the worst CGI yet again. The celestial waters, as you call them, beautiful blue, okay, sparkly okay. look like that's it her, came her from list. a nebula. So, anyways, um, she she takes it to her to the boss of the hemophages. This you know, I guess warlord or whatever he is, gang leader, um, and he wants to kill the boy. She tricks him by um, having a hologram of the boy. They get away. Another chase begins. I mean, we, we had like three minutes of peace before the so next fight let's scene. let's rewind just five seconds. She she is all about destroying this ultimate weapon. Yeah. This battles between the hemophages and the humans. This thing's going to wipe out the hemophages. She wants it gone. Mm-hmm. Um, one thing we neglected to mention at the beginning of the story when you're getting your three-minute view of her backstory is before she was a hemophage, she had a husband. She was pregnant. Due to this process of becoming a hemophage... Her husband dies, and she loses the baby. So when she sees this child floating in the celestial waters, it changes her thought process of, I need to destroy this at all costs. Yeah, so some of the, the moments between her and, and the boy, who we find out later his name is Six, um, some of the moments between Violet and Six are, are really touching. Um, and and I, I really wish there was more of it. I wish there was... There was um, 
more done to develop these characters that you care a little bit more. But instead, we, we just get action scene after action scene. So I'm going to rush along a little bit here. Um, there Now she's on the run, not only from the people she stole the boy from, <laughs> now she's on the run from her own side, the, the hemophages who want to destroy the, the boy. And um, she's trying to exit this building. Randy runs into a Chinese gang. Oh, this is one of my favorite parts. You've got to No, be I'm not okay. even kidding. I have in my notes, so let me set this up. So she goes onto the roof um, and trying to escape with the boy. And it's it's weird. Like, these, this Chinese gang owns a part of... Um, they own this entire floor, so she has to get past them. The bad guys have to get past this Chinese gang. And, and anyway, so she goes up to the roof, walks into this gang that's completely separate from the other bad guys... And she tries to say, listen, just let me through. Um, you know, and they're like, not a chance. And then this scene ensues where she walks into the middle. She's trying to bargain her way through. And the leader of this Asian gang, I'm assuming Chinese, walks up to I think, her. I think they said they were Chinese. Got it. Okay. And, and is like, you're not getting through. And everybody pulls guns at this point because they know that she is legitimate. She's going to kill everyone. And she says as much. Um, and at this point, there's a gun pointing at her, and there's like seven different go through these glasses come out of this glasses inside this one. No guy's one, no one knows what you're saying. Inside right now. this one guy's so, ear. So she dodges a bullet, and because everybody's pointing guns at each other, the bullets just go and hit the people across from. She's just repeatedly dodging bullets and letting them kill themselves, basically. Um, really interesting again the cgi was really bad and they you're watching the scene as, as kimmel's describing as it like zooms in and out of a guy's reflection on his glasses and you get an alternate perspective as the bullets go around i mean i get what they were trying to do at this point i had seen so much like let me be as creative as possible like it's like they took the fight choreographer and said dude I want you to dream big. Okay, but what's the plot? We don't have one. But you just <laughs> no, see, you just go crazy with this stuff. Okay, for me, this was again painting the picture of how much of an absolute killer this little tiny skinny woman is. Because up to this point, she's spun around and shot people. She's shot in all different directions. People are falling at her feet. In this scene, she does not fire one bullet. She okay. literally kills an entire <laughs> gang of Chinese gunmen with dancing. Okay, I'm going to get to this at the end, but... I'm going to get to it now. I'm going to get to it now. Here, here's the thing. If if she is able to continually, like already this is the third gang she's fought, and she has no problem, not a scratch on her, um, where's the tension? Like where where is the tension in this movie? Like am I supposed to be, oh no, there's, now there's 90 guys. Like no, she handled the, the last 70. Like <laughs> what in the world? It, she's never trapped so would you agree that at every single turn this movie does bigger and better like it continuously tries to overwhelm you it, it and because of that it, it gets to be like the the um superman movie uh man of steel where it, there's so many bodies left like at the end of man of steel like there's a whole city leveled and you're like that's too much. Like, we went too far with this destruction. There are so many bodies. Like, I just sat there thinking, what what mountain is she going to have to climb after this? It just, again, drew me further and further. And we're going to discuss that mountain at the end. <laughs> we're going to discuss that massive mountain she had to face. Okay. To that so, I'm going to skip along real fast. Um, she's There's tons of bad acting from the additional hemophage guys. They were given way too many lines. The director himself has a cameo in there as one of the hemophages. Uh, and there's a, a point where they're confronted, and we haven't really talked about him much, but uh, by the character, um, what was it, Daxus? Draxus? What was it? Um, the lead? The, the, the lead bad guy. I have it written I down so. there somewhere. Draxus. Draxus. It doesn't really matter. Um, but they're confronted by him, and he wants to make a deal to, like, gang up to get the, the boy back. Um, and they don't trust him. And all of a sudden, he's like, hey, try me. And boom, he just shoots three guys dead. Um, and again, another one of those comedic stylized where they all grab their their face and then all fall together. Like, 
like a comedy act. Like, is this an action movie? Is it a comedy? Is it a horror movie? So at this point, they're trying to establish the legitimacy of this guy as a bad guy. And up to this point, um, he's a germaphobe. So he's always wearing gloves. He doesn't breathe the same air that other people breathe. He has a little nose, I don't know, filter. Um, and so at this point, you're thinking he's 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 a pretty weak guy. He gets cornered by the hemophages. Um, and opens even his gun is completely sealed in a different in a different package. So he's opening the, this coffee cup that he brought for himself and pouring water that he brought for himself. Somehow makes coffee um, with what he brought on his person, um, and he's holding this absolutely full cup of coffee. There's a gun on the table, and he's basically looking into their eyes, saying, "Try me." And when all the dust settles, not only are those three hemophages dead, but he hasn't spilled one drop of coffee. So it's setting it up that. He he is a legitimate threat to all of humanity. Again, it's it's like the the guy who was creating all these fight scenes and stuff was just saying, "What's the coolest thing I can do?" <laughs> and, and was ignoring everything else. Um, meanwhile, the story is falling apart. Um, so so Violet finds out that that this boy's name is Six, um, and uh, uh, finds out um, that he can talk. Uh, he hadn't talked it at this point. Um, she says she calls her friend Garth, who that's William Fitchner's character, um, and so they stop by his his place. She, he's afraid um, that um, he's going to draw too tracked. much attention to his work. What his work is the 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 curing of the hemophage okay. virus. Okay, so the hemophage virus is something that turns you into a vampire like creature, which all of a sudden, like we're now like a fourth through the movie or, or further now they're like oh by the way it's, it's vampires too the <laughs> hemophages are actually vampires too they're vampires they have weird sharp oh, teeth they have uncanny reflexes and but the cost of this is eventually it's killing them it's going to kill you if you're a hemophage so he Garth says he has to run some tests on six and there's a really good scene here I really like this scene um, he says Handy to draw some blood and, and really quickly Six pulls up his sleeve like he's heard that a million times and there's um, marks of injections all over his arm and they both pause. I was like, yeah, it's a little heartbreaking. This kid, all he's done has been a lab rat his whole life. I, I, I liked those moments. There wasn't enough bringing that down. Um, so anyways, they, they find out that um, Six can't provide a cure and that he's dying. He has just a couple hours to live when they said earlier in the movie that there is an expiration date um, on this weapon, they meant that the boy's going to die. Um, so Six decides to, or sorry, Violet decides to leave Six behind. Then, so she kind of leaves him like a, a mall or like a public place. Who knows what it was? She she gives him her credit card and abandons him. By the, the way, food court. The credit card is also a bracelet. <laughs> it's the future, bro. Oh my god! Credit card bracelets are the future. Anyways, she abandons him. Rhinestone and, bracelet. <laughs> She abandons shiny. She abandons him in the in this food court, and she's walking away because at this point you can tell she's realized she's not going to be able to save him before the time runs out, and she's having this inward struggle of, you know, what what am I doing this for? I'm just going to get us both killed, and so she makes the choice to let them pick him up, um, and she is walking away as the bad guys are closing in on yeah. six. So um, then she has second thoughts. She runs back to six, and before she can get there, she hears a gunshot. Um, I hated this scene. It was terrible. I hated this scene. It's really sad. It, it is sad, but it, there's no remorse. Like, you're almost supposed to feel relief because she runs to the body, and the body isn't six. These guys just thought it was six and killed another boy. She shot a little kid. Like, and, and, and she, she almost, like, is like, huh, <laughs> good. That kid died and not six. Like, what in the world? Like, I was so mad at that point. There were like, stages of grief. It was it was grief and that it was six, and then it was lesser grief that it wasn't. Well, how was the audience supposed to feel? Like, I felt ticked that they... Like, no one's freaking out. They're like, oh, they just killed a boy. I, I will grant you that. Now, being a parent, seeing another child laying there, my first thought was like, oh, who, whose kid got shot instead? Uh, but the point is, six is still living, and, and her... I guess her love for him is renewed, and she's about to chase after him once yeah. again. So there's so one thing I, I did skip, just looking at my notes. Um, before she found out that Six was dying, they, there was a scene where they're watching fireworks, talking about kind of beautiful things in life or, or lack thereof, and, and Six talks about 
um, wanting to go to this paradise that he sees in a magazine. It's a playground. Um, and how sad it is that this little boy's never been to a playground. That'll come in here in a second. Anyway, so as she chases um, Six down the... the um, Kevka, um, the leader, who's the leader of the hemophages, um, they the, the hemophages catch six and take him to a cemetery because they said, "Hey, we've had office building, streets, um, uh, this and that. We haven't had a cemetery fight yet." And it, it looks like New Orleans. That's what I it, first thought when I absolutely. saw it. It was such a different look from the rest of the film. Yeah, I, it really took you out of. The, I definitely the vibe. noticed the the change from futuristic sci-fi like the main building is in the shape of a biohazard sign and then at this point in the scene it looks like it looks like today it looks yeah. like real life so um, she gets to the seminary she fights two of the the guys outside this crypt where, where she's heading um, knocks them out using their hair notes <laughs> so she's fighting these two hemophages and they look at her um, and they're like, we're as fast as you, we're as strong as you, bring it on. And her line is something to the effect of, you're nowhere near as angry as I am. I think, I think she used more colorful language than that. Um, but then she attacks these two men. There's, again, some sort of karate fighting ensues. And with not one, but literally both of them, she defeats them using their hair. Yep. One of them is a white gentleman with a long ponytail braided. Um, she whoops him with that. The other one is a darker gentleman um, who has dreadlocks, and she uses both sides of his hair to defeat him. <laughs> I thought it was awesome. I thought it was so awesome. Something that doesn't translate on podcasts. I'm just staring. <laughs> she whooped these guys using their hair, bro. That is legit. That... that... I'm, I'm, you. I'm sorry, you just said this sentence. <laughs> she whooped those guys using their hair, bro. That's legit. And the fact that you can't appreciate that okay. scene makes okay. me sad for you. So um, she goes in the cemetery. Again, a massive amount of hemophages. She takes out some swords. She kills them all. Like no, She has no problem defeating these guys. Um, yes, in fact, the can, highlight of that sword fight was these two guys tried to stab her at the same time. She, whatever, backflip, moves out of the way. They stab each other, so sword in this guy, sword in that guy, making some sort of a bridge. She jumps off the sword bridge, does a backflip, cuts another guy to death with her sword. Super legit. Anyways, continue. Again, they're just like, what have we not done as far? Also in this scene, there was another, like, she's surrounded, and one swipe and they all fall down. Like, that, that has already happened four times in this movie. She's surrounded. Like, why are people surrounding her anymore? There's like, literally no challenge that she has come out of, not completely unscathed to this point. So, um, Kevka fights her. Um, they had six dangling over a well. <laughs> so Kevka drops drops him um, and fights Violet. Violet defeats him, grabs the rope, and catches him sure. as he's falling down a well. Um, and... and uh, Earlier before the fight scene, um, Six kicks off his shoe so she knew how deep the well was. Okay. Like, what? Subtle, but um, brilliant. So, then then she calls Daxus. Daxus, not Draxus. Daxus. And she um, says, hey, uh, we need to meet up. Basically, she agrees to meet him. And uh, she shows up in front of the... the ministry building um where he's at and he has a, a massive army there with him um and they open fire on her uh-oh it's another hologram she was fine um what i loved about this set it was daxus motions to his guards and says are you mental <laughs> great great <laughs> writing there are you mental beautifully written um, Viola is a hologram. She realizes that, um, that she's not going to work. She's not going to win. There's no chance. So naturally, it's time to go to a playground. It's time to take this kid to the park. So they take him to the playground. Uh, six uh, dies on the playground. So remember, his, his eight-hour clock has been ticking for quite some time. Yeah. She's fought everyone in every town. She, she's killed hundreds of people. <laughs> hundreds of people and are laying dead. And they, she realizes her time has run out. There's not enough time to get past the rest of the bad guys and save his life. And so she takes him to the park that he's always wanted to go to. So he dies. Then Daxus tracks them down, uh, shoots her, 
and uh, she fades away. Then you find out that Garth has intercepted her body, saved her life, and she's upset with him because she just she lost six. She has nothing else to live for. She she wants to die, um, and she's about to kill herself. Um, and all of a sudden, something clicks in her, and um, she gets a phone call. She gets a phone call from Garth saying it's all over the news. Blah blah blah, and she something clicks and she goes. Um, she has a flashback of the park scene. Yeah. Of her crying over his body. Yeah. <laughs> um, I got to remember that shaking my head doesn't translate to podcast either. Um, so uh, then she does an all-out attack. She basically loads up her her dimensional suppression, suppression unit. unit with as many guns as possible. And, and this is the next scene that I really hated. Um, she goes into the hall or the lobby of this building that she's about to attack. There's guards everywhere. They let her just walk up because they have no idea what she looks like at this point. To the front desk. To the front desk. And the lady scan the lady at the front desk scans her for weapons. And this is what the <laughs> This is what You're waiting for this computer to tally how many weapons she has yeah, on her body. It's, it's counted up all her weapons. And this is what the, the artificial back. intelligence says says number of weapons found many <laughs> like almost exactly like that many as as if it, this computer program was only programmed to count a certain number and one or that, many like and, and so so what frustrates me about this is this is a blatant ripoff of the matrix going to the hall like when when neo walks through the metal detector like what and he just opens his jacket and has all his guns blatant ripoff of the matrix and, and so incredibly disappointing and and then, unlike the Matrix, which has this great fight scene in the hall, they don't even show her kill the hundred guards that were down there. Cuts away, they say, Violet's here, and it goes back and she's killed everybody. So she makes her way through the building, killing every single person. And this is interesting. She sustains her first wound since the gunshot. Uh, so, so first wound in an actual fight. Sure, that we see. And she almost dies from it. What what mortal wound would this be? She basically got a paper cut. Like she got she got sliced on the hand okay, so, and she's dying. Okay, so she's been shot. She's been quote unquote saved. She's been of her own accord. She's chosen to leave the safety of this doctor. You can tell that she's already in a bad way. So after she gets shot and patched up uh, by Garth. This is the point of the movie where it starts to show that she's actually human and can possibly be defeated by said bad guys. So after this fight, it shows that she is actually starting to sustain injuries. And yes, she's used her hands to stop its sword fight. It's a couple of cuts on her hands yes. that are killing her. That she's bleeding. Um, so it's so bad she can't stop the bleeding. She shoots a gun to heat it up and she cauterizes the wounds on her hands. Um so great. So, anyways, I mean, I'm gonna skip all the way to the end. Um, <laughs> she makes it, her way to where Six is, and and Daxus is there, um, and he, she has her sword out, and he shoots this uh, uh, <laughs> nitroglycerin gel yes. at her, to, and and she blocks it with her blocks it with her sword, um, and. In in so doing, she like throws um, throws her blood on him. Yes. And another great line: "He's got them all." Da- <laughs> Dax has had the best lines. This was his line: "You got hemo blood on me. It is on." He doesn't even do a contraction there. He doesn't even uh, say it's on. He says it is on. So you will remember at this point, um, this guy is a complete germaphobe. So the fact that he got someone's blood on him is probably uh, the worst thing that could ever happen. Well, and and getting blood on you at all um, is contagious. Sure. So you know he's become right. He's going to be be right. infected with this virus. However. Big twist, he's been a hemophage all along. Who cares? Like, who cares? And so that sets up the fact that, and they bring out um, something that was mentioned once when she was meeting with Garth that some hemophages can see in the dark because they're vampires, don't forget. And and so he turns out the lights. Um, he can see her. She can't see him, but she 
scrapes her sword on the ground and it catches on fire because remember that is the reason she she was shot with nitroglycerin gel just so they could have a flaming, flaming sword, sword fight, fight in the dark in the dark Beautiful. again they were trying to one up everything and so you mentioned this mountain she had to climb <laughs> she has killed everything and now now it comes down to killing one dude like so, just one it's it's a boss fight so she was, it's ridiculous she was Achilles and could never be hurt when she was weak and sad about this child dying, she was shot. Now she is wounded, trying to recover. Um, no, she's probably not going to make it, but she goes to save this sweet little boy. And yes, uh, because she is hurt, she is now mortal, and she's fighting for her life and the life of this child that she has yet to save. Okay. So, Violet, um, spoiler alert, uh, she catches Daxus on fire and cuts him in half. Um, that that's how it ends. It doesn't matter. Um, so she shoots him with his own gun, and while he's aflame, cuts him with her flaming sword from the top of the head all the way down to his bottom. <laughs> so then we find out that Six isn't dead because she cried her hemo tears on him, <laughs> and because he's a hemophage, he survives. Because um, he's an immortal hemophage, she literally saves the kid's life with her tears. So it's basically like Harry Potter when the phoenix cries on his basilisk, basilisk wounds. Yeah, which is also a legitimate movie. Okay. Okay. <laughs> so, here's... I, there's so much wrong <laughs> with this movie. The, and then the end um, was another voiceover from her. They tried to act like really suspenseful, like they were setting up a sequel... Praise the Lord Sadly. that didn't get made. Sadly. Um, so, okay, that's that's the plot of the film. We probably took a little too much time on that, but good heavens. What a great movie. I, this podcast may ruin our friendship. <laughs> like, I'm so, I'm so disappointed. Are you angry yet? <clears throat> so disappointed. Uh, let, let, um, let's hear what you thought were the best parts of this movie. Okay, so again, um, I am taking this movie in one piece at a time to build a big picture view by the end of the movie of the movie in general. This movie had everything. It had ridiculously awesome fight scenes. I mean, the CGI, while in some parts was deplorable because there was so much futuristic um, what if, what if we had this future day, like that did it for me. And they, and they kept trying to one-up it. They keep drawing me in with these things that are completely unbelievable, but absolutely stunning. Um, so the best parts of the movie, the fight scenes, um, I thought they were beautifully choreographed. Um, the, the plot, while I will admit it is weak, from beginning to end, when you take it all in together, I thought it was awesome. There's a lot of allegorical significance. It will get into this in a minute. But um, that, for me, put it over the top. Great movie. Do you have any cons? Um, I mean, you mentioned this. Yeah, CGI. no, absolutely. I, I will agree with you that there are more than a few parts of this movie that are absolutely ridiculous. But again, I, I am able to overlook that because right after they have a ridiculous scene, they hit me again with this awesome fight scene or some new gadget like the wrist credit card bracelet that buys food. It was only used one in one scene. It wasn't even, we don't even see how those are used. The possibilities, Kyle. The possibilities. So he, I'm going to start with some pros here. Go ahead. Um, first of all, the, the use of color in the, in the movie was great. Um, vibrant color. Um, very interesting world that was crafted. Great, great costumes. The costumes at times look a little cheesy, but you really felt like this was otherworldly, like this was something completely different. Um, great visual design. Uh, and, and there were some fun sci-fi concepts in there. I'm not down on the the dimensional um, suppression. suppression system. I'm not down on that. I think I love sci-fi, and, and you know, if I can believe in lightsabers and believe in this, you know, um, you know, suspend belief for a movie. But here's the thing: there, to say that the plot wasn't good, there was no plot. Like there was no there was no concern about where this was going. Like, it was it was so poor and. The the script was non-existent. Like the it was clear these actors had nothing to work with but the cheesiest of lines, and like they they stuck to these horrible lines. Like they they didn't even try to branch out and like hey, can I say it this way? Like no, they they stuck to it. Like this was like it was so disappointing. The the lines that were coming out of these people's mouths. 
the world was too bloated. Like there was just too much backstory, too much going on. You couldn't connect at all to what was going on. Um, and, and like, I feel like I'd have to read a giant novel to get like everything that was going on and, and to get something out of it. Cause I felt no concern for either side in this battle. I didn't care about the, the, um, plight of the hemophages. I didn't care about the safety of the humans. Um, and, and honestly, it caused me not to really care about one woman who was willing to fight them both. Like, oh, okay. Like, it, the stakes were not high, and they said, man, the stakes aren't high enough. Throw another hundred people at her. And she kills them without... A fire sword. She got... Before the final fight where she gets really beat up, she suffered two wounds... One was a, a point-blank shot. Yeah, um, that's pretty significant. Um, but the other was her hands got cut, like just on the, the palms. And yes, that would hurt. But at the same time, she like it's hard to feel bad for her. She just defeated 7,000 people. Yeah, a seemingly indestructible woman who puts it all aside to save a child. You're right, Kyle. <laughs> I didn't interrupt you. No, I'm kidding. Um, so so th- if they spent half as much time thinking about the plot as they did, how creative can we be with these fight scenes? You might have had something. My problem with the fight scenes are they were they were good. I mean, they well choreographed. But they should have been... Like, take the, the Matrix, for example. They, not every single... Um, moment was filled with fight scenes but when they came you, you are at the edge of your seat but this was like you're I was more longing for the parts in between fight scenes um, and chase scenes because I'm like where tell me why I should care like tell me why why I should care about any of this and so I, I don't know um, it was more like a demo reel for this guy this fight choreographer's um, career is like hey look at all the cool things I can do did you see this one? Let me hey check out this one. Did you see where she dances and kills all hey, the Chinese guys? Did you see where she killed guys with their hair with their hair? <laughs> yeah. That totally happened. So, anyways, um <laughs> let's get to our, our ratings here. Uh, we're gonna do ratings based on the uh, Netflix rating system. Oops. Um, based on the Netflix rating system, which uh, now is just thumbs up, thumbs down. So uh, before we do this really quickly, yeah. um, I know I know we spent a lot of time on this, and and rightly so. This is the movie that started it all for Kyle and I. So um, I I want to talk briefly about the Rotten Tomatoes rating system, okay? Because because I don't want that to weigh in on the viewer's choice too much. And I'll okay. give you some really quick examples of why not. Let me just ask you some questions, Kyle. Have you seen the movie The Boondock Saints? Uh, yeah. Did you enjoy this movie? Sure. What would you have rated it, Rotten Tomatoes? On Rotten Tomatoes. Um, so do you know do you know how Rotten Tomatoes does their yes. score? I'm just what what do you think the Rotten Tomatoes score should have been for this movie? Should have been? Should have been. I don't know. I think Boondock Saints is probably a forty percent on Rotten Tomatoes. Twenty. Twenty. Twenty percent. Okay. Yeah. Um, Space Jam. Did you enjoy that movie? I did when I was eight. Yes, and so did I. Thirty five percent. The movie Hook. Dustin Hoffman and Robin Williams both deliver stunning performances. Take a guess, Kyle. Okay. Have you rewatched Hook? 30%. <laughs> it's probably worth um, it. Just let me rattle some of these off. The Sandlot, another great. Uh, 58%. Spaceballs, 54%. Bad Boys 2, the better of the two. 23%. That movie literally has everything. Solid plot, great action, really clever <laughs> okay. humor. This is not a podcast to talk about no, no, how bad no, Rotten Tomatoes is. So, what, finally, Sharknado, 82% on Rotten Tomatoes. That, that is bad. that is not a lie. Um, Justin Bieber's Never Say Never was rated higher than all the aforementioned <laughs> save Sharknado. Um, oh, it 40, didn't beat out Sharknado. 45%. That's pretty funny. So anyways, I'm glad that you and I are rating these yeah, and, and not, not relying not on tomatoes. No, I'm illegitimate just, sources like Rotten Tomatoes, if I'm not mistaken, is doing a score based on the percentage of people or the percentage chance that you'll like the movie. And so... They're saying there's a nine percent chance that you're gonna like this movie. Winner. Yeah, and you're. I promise you, man. With this ratio, this is accurate. You are in the 9%. one of ten people that you know. The if there's ten people in a room, you're the one who would like. This. I want to meet you. But um, the meta score on Metacritic is is eighteen, like an eighteen out of twenty. <laughs> <laughs> so. 
it just overwhelmingly negative reviews for this movie. But anyways, um, it, it, I'm a thumbs down. I don't think that's a, I don't think that's a surprise. That's not surprising. I, I was, I was really hoping that I would go into this first episode and just go, I was wrong. We need to just call this this podcast Flux, um, and uh, we're gonna take Ultraviolet out. No, um, so I can only assume you're a thumbs up. Um, I again, I will grant you this. This movie is not perfect. Um, the plot, as you call it, non-existent. I just say it's broken up by some of the most stunning fight scenes um, in, in recent history, certainly for 2006. Um, but I'm going to be a resounding thumbs up for this movie. Resounding, resounding thumbs up. I completely would recommend it again. If I had to rewind uh, all the way back to 2006 when I first recommended it, hands down, I'd recommend it again. Dude, I can't wait to to hear <laughs> what other uh, movies you enjoy. So just so you know, um, our next episode um, uh, next week. It's gonna be our first official episode in our um, our series. Here is. Uh, they're all going to be on Netflix, and this movie is Europa Report. Um, so I encourage you this week, watch Europa Report, um, and uh, bring your opinions along with it. Uh, find us on social media um, uh, and, and follow along with this whole experiment, um, and, and we'll, uh, we'll see you next week. Let, let me end with this, Kimmel. Hey, are we still friends? Dude, I still love you like a fat kid loves cake. This has been so much fun. <laughs> all right, we're for now, we're still <laughs> friends, and... Uh, I hope you don't ruin your friendships. Have a great week. We'll catch you guys next week.